Welcome to Season 5 of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an Agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom, advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. Today, we're going to talk about prioritization and how to, as advisors both within and outside of a company, balance the things customers need to have versus what you know they need. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Bobby Arbuthnot, Director of Solutions Management, Employee Experience at Unisys. Bobby, welcome to the show. Hi, Greg. Thanks so much for having me as a guest on the Agile Brand Podcast show today. Yeah, looking forward to talking with you. I know you and I have had several conversations that were not recorded, so I'm looking forward to to sharing this this conversation with uh, with with the audience here. So, why don't we get started by you giving a little background on yourself and and what you're currently doing at Unisys? Certainly. You know, I, I'm I'm very fortunate and excited to currently be serving as the director of solutions management at Unisys, leading the portfolio for digital workplace services experience management. You know, along with my peer chief architect Chad Arve and and others on our digital workplace team, you know, we're really working to drive our employee experience strategy, our services and programs, to to focus on supporting and enabling our clients across the globe and move to future of experience management, where you know we're really moving from more than another operational metric to a true business enabler. Yeah, great, great. So uh, we're here to talk about prioritization, which often means making some tough decisions because no company, regardless of their size, has limitless resources and time. And I think we've both uh, we've both experienced that in you know working working with organizations. So you know we're gonna we're gonna look at three aspects of this. And why don't we start? With the problem that I posed in the in the show intro, that organizations are often dealing with things they absolutely must have, but those things aren't necessarily strategically important in the long term. So it's not necessarily what they need in the long term. How do you get organizations to find that balance between the immediate fires and the longer term strategic things they need to do to be successful years down the road? You know, to help organizations and, and the clients we're working with find the balance between immediate fires and the, and the longer term strategic initiatives, as you talked about, we, we usually look at a couple following approaches. You know, one's fostering a culture of proactive planning, you know, namely encouraging organizations to allocate some dedicated time and resources for strategic thinking and planning. This ensures that the immediate needs are addressed while also making progress, you know, on those long term goals that we all have. And then, you know, next, implementing a agile portfolio management you know, adopting agile principles and managing the organization's portfolio of projects, initiatives, and activities. You know, this involves regularly reassessing priorities, you know, adapting plans, aligning resources to balance both the short-term urgencies 
along with those long-term strategies. And then finally, you know, really establishing those clear strategic objectives, clearly defining the organization's, you know, long-term vision and objectives and communicating them effectively across the organization. This really helps teams understand how their immediate actions contribute to those larger strategic goals. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a number of priorities that that can be factored in, but, you know, are, are sometimes the incentives wrong? In, in other words, if efficiency is is always the goal, is, is focusing on that over other things uh, sometimes the wrong way of thinking? Yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, the the oftentimes we do get the kind of blinders on or the incentives pushing us the wrong direction. The, obviously, efficiency is very important, and right. but organizations should also consider other factors to to avoid that narrow blinder type focus. You know, emphasizing value driven and data driven decision making, and encouraging organizations to prioritize activities that deliver the most value to customers and stakeholders, rather than solely focusing on efficiency metrics. The, that broader perspective ensures that, you know, all aspects of success are taken into account. Sometimes there's hard measures and sometimes there's soft measures and you have to balance those. And then, you know, encouraging innovation um, and experimentation, you know, creating an environment that supports experimentation, learning from failures. Yeah. I have fallen on my face plenty over the years. But I was very fortunate in my, many cases to have the right leaders and peers around me. You know, by fostering a culture of innovation in organizations, you can explore new approaches and optimize processes for better outcomes beyond just those efficiency gains. And you let me step back up if I, I happen to have a small misstep on my path to getting to that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that, that kind of leads to the, the next thing I want to talk about, which is not every initiative, as you said, not every initiative is 100% successful. And creating too big an initiative is fraught with a lot of risk and and things like that. And so, you know, incremental progress towards goals. I mean, here here we are on the Agile brand podcast. Of course, I'm certainly a fan of incremental and and Agile, uh, you know, using Agile principles to to do things. So, why why would you say that doing things incrementally is is so important? Well, I, I'm I'm sure everything that works for you perfectly the first time you know, here and, and you record every podcast with no flaws the first time. No, right, just, I did just not kidding. mess up my intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, of course. The, but yeah, the incremental progress is very, very important. You know, sometimes we just need to, to feel and have that movement rather than long periods of working towards something and not being able to show it. So, yeah. you know, there's several reasons. One's risk mitigation. You know, incremental changes allow us and organizations to identify and address potential issues or challenges very early on and reduces the risk of major failures or unforeseen implications or setbacks that we have. Continuous improvement, I kind of already said that at the beginning there where I started, but you know, allowing us to see that progress as we go to continuously refine our strategies and solutions as we get feedback and maybe there's evolving market or business conditions that we're working within. And then you know, the last piece is just Doing things in that fashion incrementally allows for that stakeholder engagement. You know, inc incremental progress allows for regular involvement and feedback from stakeholders, ensuring their needs and expectations are met through the journey, but also, you know, keeping their their perceptions matched up with where you're actually going. You know, if you if you take a minute and look around, 
you get to understand that you have stakeholders in many forms as you're working on these activities. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, as I briefly mentioned, you know, one things of one one way of doing things incrementally is to work using agile approaches like Scrum, Kanban. There's, you know, there's Scrum, Scrum Bond. There's, you know, all, all kinds of safe. There's all kinds of ways of of using agile principles. Would you say that organizations that have already adopted some form of agile are generally more open to incremental change? I think there there's maybe certainly some an easier path sometimes, you know, you yeah. where they've already adopted agile methods, you know, they're inherently used to promoting iterative and incremental type development, which aligns well with that concept of incremental progress. And then whether it's, you know, the frameworks like the Scrum or the Kanban or the, the multiple that you kind of listed there, um, it, they're used to that sort of structured approaches to managing the work, enabling the teams to focus on delivering incremental value in a, a bit more transparent or a bit more adaptable manner. Before we continue, I wanted to share a key strategic resource that a majority of the Fortune 500 are already aware of. Finding the best technology, business, and talent solutions is not easy. With business demands and competitive pressures mounting, you need to be able to design, deploy, and optimize your technology to provide leading customer experiences while driving business growth. Those of you that have been listening to this show for a while know that this podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, a global provider of technology, business, and talent solutions for more than 80% of the Fortune 500. Tech Systems accelerates business transformation for their customers. Whether you're looking to maximize your technology ROI, drive business growth, or elevate customer experiences, Tech Systems enables enterprises to capitalize on change. Learn more at techsystems.com. That's T-E-K systems.com. Now let's get back to the show. What about those organizations that either they haven't adopted agile wholesale, you know, across across the organization, or at least the the, the parts that are working together in, in certain ways, or maybe partially adopted and and therefore, you know, the the whole executive suite, for instance, hasn't bought into it. You know, how, how have you seen those types of organizations get on board with incremental improvements when it's not really, you know, when agile isn't really part of the the philosophy? Yeah, certainly, you know, for those organizations that haven't yet embraced agile practices, I, I think there's two words that, that are very important. Don't panic, you know, take a <laughs> breath. You know, the, the reality is if, if we're honest with ourselves, not everybody will be, but if we're honest, most most environments are probably at some hybrid state of evolving to some more agile practices, which, which yeah. is perfectly fine and okay. There's a couple strategies that help, uh, I think, you know, to, to kind of nudge that direction uh, and get that understanding. And, you know, part of that might be pilot projects, you know, starting with smaller scale pilot projects that demonstrate the benefits of, of these incremental approaches. And then we can scale those initiatives educating and training, you know, providing some ed- training and education on Agile principles. Knowledge is everywhere. It's here on on your podcast with the Agile brand. It's many, many places. It's much more accessible now that people can get access to it. And that really helps create more of a shared understanding and buy-in from employees and stakeholders. You know, and I'm not really one to believe that 
all aspects of the business must adhere to exactly to some new process or framework. However, as we get over time being exposed to more of these things and being educated about them, it does enable some more creativity and in, in my approach or, or the team's approach as we're moving. And then last is just that, that gradual adoption. Um, you know, don't be afraid. You can, you can begin to bring, bring it in in pieces and, and bring it itself in, you know, agile in incrementally on its own, allowing teams to gradually adapt and integrate and, and getting used to those, those workflows to try and minimize some of that disruption or fear or resistance to, to that change. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, I, I'm certainly not one to say that there's one one size fits all that you know every every organization must be agile in order to survive or even to do kind of what you're saying here which is to to incrementally improve it's just it you know that that kind of mindset can can definitely help but you know i i like i like what you're suggesting here as far as you know i've seen pilot projects work very well i think when they're when they're big enough to make an impact and yet small enough that they don't take too long to start. Cause that, that really is the, I think that's the common thread o- o- among all of it. It's like, you need to show, you need to have a, a quick enough win to prove whatever it is that you're trying to prove, but you also need a quick enough win to prove that an iterative approach is better than planning something that's a 12 to 24 month project until you get to see the results. W- would you agree? I, I certainly would. And, and I would maybe just add one piece to that would be it's the right stakeholders or the right people involved together with you. I can have a great, fabulous win. Yeah. If it's not with you and you own all the keys, then I'm going to be challenged, right, to, to make my way through and show that I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, last topic I wanted to talk about today was talking about the value of rethinking the status quo often heard in sentences that contain this is just the way things are done or the way we've always done it there's there's many flavors of this and some of this is you know organizational or or institutional some of this is industry specific like you know worked in a few different industries, but this is the way we do it in financial services or healthcare or whatever you know whatever the industry may be there's a lot of real reasons why there are gatekeepers such as around things like IT security and, and related areas, you know, a lot of risk needs to be mitigated, but how can organizations start thinking about these areas differently so that they aren't just blocking work from getting done because again, this is just the way that it's done and instead involving them as active collaborators in trying to solve some issues and sometimes some, some novel issues. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we've, we've definitely hit some of those uh, in, in all of our pasts and, and even today. I think, you know, first, first thing is to, you know, look in the mirror and I've got to know that I've got to start out understanding and working to reach out to those individuals as much as I need them to come my direction and listen. So to be able to rethink with those gatekeepers and encouraging that collaboration, I, you know, it's got to come from me as well if, if I'm yeah. working the activity. So, you know, part of that's fostering that cross-functional collaboration, you know, encouraging that open communication between the different teams, be it IT security, be it, you know, other business units. It doesn't necessarily have to be IT, right? It may be other areas that IT is trying to service and work with. That really helps break down the silos and pr- promote that sort of 
shared understanding of goals and challenges. And a lot of times that leads into the second thought is you involving those gatekeepers early, including them early helps us both understand and, you know, where we're going with project planning, what the decision-making processes are. I can recall, you know, we don't have time here, but there was a couple different CISO conversations that I've had. I've been fortunate to be with some very brilliant individuals. And sometimes it was just a matter of getting to some of those folks to help their team understand, I'm not trying to change the intent of what you're trying to do, yeah. but the world's changing and we have to evolve and still hit that same intent that you're trying to hit. And lots of times, as soon as they can hear that or you can get that far, the rest is really just working together. So you can work on that collaborative approach. And I think you can get there. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So we've got a lot of leaders and aspiring leaders listening to this show. What role can leaders play in helping teams to get unstuck from legacy ways of doing things that that don't allow agility, whether that's, you know, big A, agile and, and scrum and things like that, <laughs> or just being nimble? You know, I think right off the bat, you kind of led this little section off with think before you talk and and don't come out with, out of your mouth. Don't have that statement that this is the way things are done. Or if you're going to say that, then think about what you're about to say. Because oftentimes, you know, it, it is on us as as leaders to we, we play a crucial role in enabling agility and helping the teams get unstuck and showing them, which is the first piece is leading by example, right? If I say something, I'll even catch myself and <laughs> correct myself. Like, I shouldn't say that. Well, let's, let's hear what you're saying and let's, let's try and evaluate what it is and who we need to work with, right? Because it really helps set the tone and encourages the teams to also follow the same suit. Yeah. And then I think empowering the teams, you know, providing, once you give that right tone or the right approach, if you're giving them the, the autonomy, the resources and support they need to explore and imp- implement these incremental improvements, you know, it really helps push that innovation. It balances the risk taking, helps them kind of work together in setting these defined boundaries and, and things that might need to be worked out that have to escalate. But you, you're still working. You're still trying to get things done. I would even say even seeding aspects of diversity as the team forms as the leader can really help lend to some greater creativity and communication as they work, right? I, I may have skills that that Greg doesn't, but Greg has skills I don't. So we're able to cross-teach each other and that helps us work together quicker and appreciate what's going on. Yeah. Last, maybe it's just, again, reiterating on a broken record, but communicating the vision, you know, clearly articulating the benefits or the targets and the, those business outcomes, why we're trying to get somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And just to follow up on the, the the first point you know when you're talking about leading by example you know I, I think that's a very underrated aspect of of what you're saying is you know you get you gave the the example of basically acknowledging that you realized there was a better solution to something I mean that that example sounded like it happened in, in very uh, a very short amount of time but you know I think there's there's a very underrated aspect of great leaders that is a humility to say, you know what, I, I know I said this, or I know we've done this, but maybe that's not right. (laughs) You know, maybe I was wrong and maybe there's a better way. And then, you know, to kind of tie into the, the diversity angle, maybe there's somebody in this room that's a lot smarter about this topic than I am, even though I'm 
the leader, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to, and I've talked about this a few times on the show before, is just like, leaders don't have to know everything, they just have to surround themselves with really smart people and know who to bring in for, you know, for for various initiatives. And I think it's just highly, highly underrated, I think. And, you know, again, that, that humility aspect of just being able to say, hey, we tried this, and it didn't work, but we learned from it, right? I think that's a huge part of, of Agile that it, is often is less spoken about. Oh, I, I agree. I mean, I definitely don't like saying I, I didn't succeed, but at the same token, if I can figure it out, then that lets us get somewhere. Yeah. And it sets the example for the team to know that they don't have to be perfect either, you know, because then, then you have a, a culture of fear of, of messing up versus a culture of, okay, we're going to get to the right answer. But in order to get there, you know, I know from my experience, like in order to get to the right answer, you've got to find a few wrong answers most of the time. You know, if, if we did everything perfectly the first time to what you were saying earlier, we wouldn't need to do things agile. We could do this thing where we plan <laughs> five years in advance and we'd be billionaires, right? Yeah, so. That's very easy with a lot of smart people in the room to tell me what I can't do. But when you get the team rolling, it's they start to think about, OK, we, we can do this. How do we balance that with what we need to do? And you can get there. Yeah. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, one last question before we wrap up here. You've given a lot of great advice already, but you know, what's, what's one piece of advice you'd have for organizations that know they need to make some tough choices about prioritization? Where, where should they start in the months ahead? That's good. Uh, first, as we wrap up the discussion today, I just I wanted to say thank you very much again for the credible opportunity to be to be a guest on the Agile Brand Podcast. Uh, it, it was a privilege to share time with you and your esteemed audience. I, I look at everybody before me and yeah, I'm like, wow, I'm actually talking on this for today. But I really appreciate it. And, you know, the opportunity to kind of strike the balance when it comes to prioritization in today's environment. I would say, as to the last question, one piece of advice for organizations, you know, facing the the tough choices about prioritization in the months ahead is you know, conduct regular assessments and be honest with yourself as you do. You know, continuously review and and reassess the priorities based on changing circumstances, market conditions, you know, data, knowledge that you have, feedback from stakeholders, and, and sometimes be willing to make tough decisions. You know, to reprioritize when necessary to ensure alignment with strategic goals and you know adapt to what's evolving so that you can still succeed. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thanks again for joining. I'd like to thank Bobby Arbuthnot, Director of Solutions Management Employee Experience at Unisys for joining the show. You can learn more about Bobby and Unisys by following the links in the show notes. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkillstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com. To get a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, visit my website or you can find it on Amazon or other retailers. The Agile brand is produced by Missing Link, a Latina-owned, strategy-driven, creatively-fueled production co-op. From ideation to creation, they craft human connections through intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Until next time, stay agile.